announced that they're letting 2,000 people go and changing their name to We No Longer Work. And welcome back to Zero Credits Podcast. I am your host, Henry. And I am also your host, John. And together we are the parasites of your host's desires. Here on Zero Credits, the show where we talk about... Thanks, Bong Joon-ho. Thanks, Bone Man Joan. No, please. It's very important that in this October, a very normal month, you do not thank Bone Man Joan. Uh, it's already out there. So if Bone Man Jones visits Listen, us... if you thank Bone Man Jones three times in an episode, which is hard to do for most people, because most people don't have episodes of anything. Yeah. If you thank Bone Man Jones three times, well, John, he's welcome. John, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've only thanked him once so far, and I don't feel like I'm going to be thanking him again anytime soon. That would be very strange if we said thank you, Bone Man Jones. God damn it. Wait, does that count? Yeah. Oh, so, look, it's just two out of three, and I don't feel like we are at risk of saying it another time for the rest of this episode. It's highly unlikely that any of us will say those words again As for the remainder of this episode. It's a very short period of time. I think we can refrain. Yeah, especially since now we both know the exact phrase in which we cannot say. So let's not harp on it. Let's move on. We talk about the cultural happenings of that there ghost of time. <laughs> Oh, were you just describing the podcast? No, I thought I saw it for a second. Oh, Bone Man Jones or The Ghost of Time? The Ghost of Time. Oh, thank God. I wouldn't say the name again. Thank God. Well, you can say the name. I'm not going to say the name. You can say thank you and also (laughs) second. No, no, no. Don't even try. Okay. Oh, my God. Fine. I don't even look. We both remember the last time that happened and we don't want it to happen again. I I get it. I don't remember anything. So welcome to October. This is what? A month? Yes. It feels like the third? The third October? The third week of? Oh, that seems right. That that seems... That seems right. So uh, It's been October for so... It might, it might have always long. been October. Yeah. I don't... It's still like a normal month length. Yeah, a normal month wherein lies a certain holiday. Oktoberfest! Hey, hey, hey! 
this Oktoberfest is brought to you by the good people at Torpedo Extra IPA Sierra Nevada. Those words in a different order. We're switching it up this week. We usually drink uh, Torpedo Extra IPA by Sierra Nevada. This week we're drinking a Sierra Nevada by Torpedo Extra IPA. Here's the thing. We emptied a box of this stuff last week. Mm. And uh, I didn't throw the box out. Now this, no, no, no. I just, I didn't throw the box out. It, you know how you just, sometimes you don't throw the box out? Let me tell you about not throwing out boxes, Henry, later, after your story. So I didn't throw the box out. I don't know if you picked that up earlier from when I said I didn't throw the box out. But the truth of the matter is, I didn't throw the box out. And I went to check this empty box for this week's podcast, because I always, you know, restock the fridge with uh, some IPA. And uh, the empty box, to my... I guess, surprise, full of blood. Full of blood. Full of blood. Really? You'd yeah. think it'd be full of additional beers. No, it was... It was how, how well, would, I guess you wouldn't think it would be full of anything since it's we're very normal now. How would you describe that? Packed to the brim with blood? Uh, full of blood? Full of blood? Stuffed with blood? And the weird thing is, so you drink, of course... The normal thing to do when you find a box full of blood, you drain it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, once I drained all the blood, full of IPA. Nice. Yeah, extra bottles. Nice. I, th- I feel like two wrongs in this situation do make a right. Because that sh- box shouldn't have been full of anything. You would have thought. And then blood, wrong. But yeah. then it's full of another thing, which it still shouldn't be full of. But at least it's more IPAs. Yeah. Well, there might be some blood in them. That's fine. That's where the taste comes from. Normal. That's where you get taste. Now, a lot of si- a lot of a lot has been said in the science community about what gives food taste. Oh, is it the blood? It's the blood. Wow. Only things with blood have taste. I think yeah. The Nobel Peace Prize has just went out, and uh, first ever Nobel Peace Prize in food went out to uh, the doc. I think his name was Doctor. Hold on, I'm checking my notes. Blood? Dr. Blood. Dr. Blood. Spelled B-L-Umlaut-U-D. He was German. Of course. And uh, he made the startling announcement that uh, blood is flavor, blood is life, blood is everything, blood, blood, blood. And the weird thing is he spelled it like he spells his name. Now, it's worth noting that uh, the Dr. Blood, as a matter of fact, has what is in the Nobel circuit uh, kind of an EGOT. In that he got both the Nobel Peace Prize for his work on food and blood. He also got the Nobel Teeth Prize for his beautiful teeth. Well, that's, that's pretty... His beautiful blood-stained teeth. And when he, when he, you know, of course, the reporters, they come out in droves to ask their questions for their magazines. And they were like, how are your teeth so good? How do you got them good teeth? That good teeth, though, he responded, of course, blood. Blood. Yeah, blood. In fact, I think that's the only word he said that day. It's and that's that's the only thing that's been printed in his research papers was just the, the word blood repeated fifty pages worth, and that's it's astounding. Now look, I mean, we couldn't do it. Now, did you know this? Like they, may, I don't know how, I don't know if you know how they run the the Peace Prize, the Nobel Prize stuff. Oh, um, I wouldn't. I daren't assume anything. Yeah. So they make the announcement. From a dark chamber somewhere in Switzerland. And uh, so the people who went and aren't there. So Dr. Blood, they had to track him down. He was in the midst of his studies covered in blood. 
and they had to drag him from his lap. He was screaming, blood, blood, blood. And, like, everyone around him started cheering for him because he won the prize. And it was yeah. very uplifting. Yeah, he was saying it initially in, a, in like, a pleading way. Like, almost blood panicked. to give me back the blood. Yeah, almost but when panicked. People, you know, when a crowd hears one word repeated over and over again, they think it's a chant. Yeah, well. Yeah, and to the best of my knowledge, uh, Dr. Blood was drawn out of his German village. And that German village... Uh, is still chanting blood. They have not stopped. They are very, you know, they've got that hometown pride. Mm. And, you know, here's to the German town of blood. Here's to blood. Oh, also, he was from a town called blood. Yes, Dr. Blood from blood. We might not be pronouncing it. Is it blued? Blued. Or is it blood? You know, I don't want to think about that. I, I honestly can't. My f- mind is all fuzzy. The uh, if I try to th- picture an umlaut, it's just red. Yeah, see red, just red. Speaking of seeing red and putting out boxes, you had a story about <laughs> boxes that I don't wish to interrupt. Uh, yes. So I just moved into a house. Oh, the wasp house. I mean, <laughs> the wasp your house. house. Uh, no, no, no. That's its name. You know how uh, old timey English manners had proper names? Yes. Mine is the wasp house. Yeah. Uh, Recycling and garbage are surprisingly hard to figure out in a house. Interesting. They happen on specific days. You have specific containers. If you live in Austin, there's one for trash, one for recycling, one for yard scraps, and one for compost. Confusing, but fine. I get it. Uh, So we have yet... We're moving, so we have a lot of boxes, a lot of cardboard... And the regularity with which things get picked up is so infrequent that we have a a big time uh, box detritus surplus. Oh, uh, so our laundry room is just full of boxes. That makes me so angry because I used to live in an apartment and we could just throw things down a chute and assume it was fine. Yeah. Even though now I know, reading about recycling, it wasn't fine and we were doing bad. But it's much easier when you can just throw a problem away. Are you suggesting that your apartment complex didn't recycle your recycling stuff? They couldn't have. If it went to a facility, they probably threw it out because it was, like, greasy paper. It was thin plastic. Like, we weren't caring about the stuff we were recycling because we assumed if you put in a recycling chute that it's just going to work. We didn't actually do yeah. our research. So I guess it's good that we got a house and now we learned, like, what recycling really is. Yeah, Austin recycling is very specific. Yeah, a less, less specific than some cities that barely have it. They but. can't do shredded paper. Yeah. They can't re, uh, recombi- recombine it. Yeah, it, which is a shame, because that's all my office does, is shred paper. They also can't do any plastic marked as other. What if the plastic has a symbol on it? So the symbol with a 7 in the middle, I think, means other, and you can't recycle right, it. so every, th- every other number. Every other number, I think. Including the, uh, the forbidden one. Yes. Five. You can't just say it, John. Sorry. You can't just say the forbidden number. There's too many things we can't say, okay? You can't make a joke in today's climate. Because there are so many restricted... Look, I think now this is as good a time as any uh, to introduce this week's sponsor. Of course, if you've been following the show, you know every week we have a sponsor. And uh, this week's sponsor uh, might be unsurprising, I don't know, to you... He's been in the news a lot. It's a single person. 
Uh, this is, I guess we would call him a benefactor. Mm. Uh, this, a patron. A patron. Not a Patreon, just a singular patron. Yes. Uh, his name, of course, is The Joker. Bless you, The Joker. He was a fan of the show. He actually appeared on our 150th episode, he, as, as those who, who listen remember. He, he did. He said a lot of things that uh, we regret, but he does not. Yeah. And uh, he's, he sent along some copy. Uh, it says right here, People of Gotham, uh, remember to be afraid and always stab your waiter. So, okay, that's fair. I guess he'll just be sending us messages throughout the show. For us to read. My favorite sponsors are the ones who uh, consistently give us reminders. Like last week when we were sponsored by... Wait, who? Um, Every time I try to think of it, mm. I just see red. Yeah. I know they sent us messages. Frequently and frequently right into our brains. And into our brains. Yeah. Couldn't have been that important. Well, okay, well, let's work backwards. Who was a sponsor two weeks ago? Can you... Two... Two weeks ago. 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 Two, two weeks ago. Every time I try to think back two weeks, for some reason, I see ominous storm clouds gathered over a mist-covered lake in the Himalayas with anvil crawler lightning crawling across them like massive luminous spiders. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. You know what they say? If you can't remember it, it couldn't have been that important. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, but this week, uh, the Joker, you know, hats off to you, or bats off to you. Uh, he, he might like that. He might like he that. Might I don't like know. That. I just or want, not. look, he's given us a lot of money. He's promised us some money if we can pull this off. If we look at it historically, the Joker has probably given Zero Credits more content than any other being fictional or otherwise. And it's weird, because we've talked a lot about... Uh, he had a movie come out. He actually starred in a movie. Uh, Mr. 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 J? Mr. J. Mr. J. He actually starred in a movie recently. And we, we talked about on Zero Credits on this show, we talked a lot about how the media was treating that movie... And neither of us had seen it. Yes, and at that point, I believe neither of us had a vested interest in seeing it. And we, in fact, uh, exclaimed on the podcast that we were probably not going to see it. So here we broke our promises. Let me explain why I broke my promise. And this is good, because I only broke my promise because you did. I had no interest in seeing Joker because, number one, I'm not a huge fan of anything Todd Phillips has ever done. He apparently made a couple good documentaries, maybe, is what I've, hear, what I've heard from people. Uh, but I'm not a huge fan of anything he's done, really. Uh, and his interviews made it seem like maybe his beliefs didn't like coincide with mine. And it like confirmed some fears that I had about maybe the, the ideological content of the movie. Yeah, I actually sent you, like, a link to an interview, or, or at least a, a paraphrasing of an interview he did, where he stated explicitly that you can't write comedy right now in this woke culture. Yes. And I quick, like, followed that immediately up with, so I don't want to see this movie at all. Yeah. That is, uh, totally fair. It's, it's a hateful take that I hate. Yeah. It's saying, oh, you can't make a joke anymore, political correctness run amok. I'm Bill Maher. I'm Dennis... Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Which is uh, close to another name that we can't say. We cannot. 
nor will we say thank you, Alex Jones, because he deserves no thanks. Why would we do that? Uh, but I got invited to the Alamo Season Pass Holders Club. Oh, brag more. From what I understand, it's rolling out relatively soon, and I'm like one of the last people to hear about it, but I've been on this waiting list for a while. You know that we here at Zero Credits Podcast... Love us, the bougie movie theater chain Alamo Drafthouse. They're the best because their aesthetic is just the 50s. Their aesthetic is the 50s. Their food's good. Their food's pretty Extremely good. expensive. They've got, um, what do they call that? Uh, they got some vegan food. Yeah, they have the Beyond Burger. They have a banh mi, tofu. They have cauliflower wings. It's all real good for me. Yeah. Uh, their food is good. Their beers are good. What's not to like? Yeah, a little expensive. But what are you going to do? It's a it's movie, movie Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. I thought you said amen for a second. In a <laughs> amen, amen, movie theaters. Amen, movie theaters. Uh, but Alamo Season Pass is basically a movie pass for Alamo. You pay a certain amount a month. You get to see one movie every day. You can reserve your seats up to seven days in advance. Uh, and you can add extra seats to it for a discount. The only thing you pay is the convenience fee for processing through the website, which typically speaking ends up to be like a buck fifty. So I can see as many movies as I want for a buck fifty. So when I got that, I wanted to use it as soon as possible. So I looked at the movie showing, and there was nothing that was showing that I hadn't seen that I was interested in other than Joker. And I said to myself, well, if it's for the discourse, if it's important to what's going on in society right now, and I want to use this thing I got, I might as well get two tickets to Joker By the way, the Alamo Season Pass allowed me to get two tickets to Joker in 35mm, meaning it was was shot, not the movie wasn't shot, but it was playing on the kind of film stock that would have been used in movies during the year it's set, which is 1981. Yeah. Uh, And you get to see, like, noise and film grain and 35mm shutter. Very cool. I would recommend anyone who has the ability to go see it. But those tickets were expensive because 35mm showings are at a premium. I almost got tickets to that showing, the 35mm, and then the times didn't work out. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. eh, It's fine. What are you going to do? I think the movie... I think you can see that movie in any way. 35mm is just a fun little gimmick. I saw it on a screen... I don't know if we've talked about this, but movie screens are larger now, right? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. So I saw it on a screen that was too big. Mm. I was too close. Yes. But I I had my reservations going into the film, and I don't know if I want to talk about it. Were you closer than aisle five? I was on aisle three. Oh, that's too close. I just didn't want to be next to anyone. Uh, that's fair. Look, I know what I look like. I, I'm a white male with long hair. I dressed a very certain way going into the movie to give off very social vibes so people would not be afraid. <laughs> like, I'm going to wear a colorful shirt. I wore my NASA, my colorful NASA nice. shirt and jeans. No, like, sleeves. No, like, jacket. I was freezing in the movie. Like, I was really cold. But I just, I didn't want to be a problem for anyone. Yes. For what it's worth, I went into the movie wearing a bright orange hoodie and a bag. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and but, you, but you went with somebody. I went with Allison. I yeah. Went, which, see, I if went, you watched the people coming into the Alamo Draft House pretty unanimously, it was 
people who looked like they wanted to see the movie alone and their girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, and I think me and Allison both had a genuine interest. She's the one who spurred me to get the tickets. But you can't help but imagine there are people out there being like, I don't want to look like a killer. That's exa- I mean, I walked in, went right to my seat, and, uh, you know, seated not next to me, like there was an empty seat between us, was another person, another guy who was alone. And he did, like, this head nod. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're going to think we know each other. They're going to think we're going to work in tandem to take this place He, he nodded his head at you, then extended his two fingers and made, like, a gun motion at you, and the, then, like, nodded. The the Alamo Drafthouse person came up, and they're like, have you been here before? And I was like, yes, many times. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, like, trying to sound, like, nice, and she's like, took my drink order, she's like, any food? And I was like... Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Every- I don't want to kill on an empty stomach. Everything in my head played back immediately to the point where I was like, they're gonna they are they've already called the cops. They're gonna kill me. <laughs> uh, she's gonna come in and say, um sorry, only one ticket. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think that's fair. Look. And that, honestly, that was one of the first times I've been to a movie by myself in a long time. So there's a there was just a lot of anxiety for sure playing at once. And then the movie played. And then the movie played, and your anxiety did not improve. I was surrounded by families. Uh really? Yeah, I was surrounded by families. Good. I was surrounded by environment. <laughs> no, I was like on the same row as me and the other lone stranger. <laughs> Yes. Was uh, two, like, teenage girls and their dad. Mm. And I was like, how did that conversation go? Yeah, I don't feel like teenagers should see this movie. Should we talk about the movie? I felt like that's the only thing we had to talk about this week. That's accurate. Should we talk about... I feel like in something like a supplemental reading, which this absolutely is not... Please. We may be... Supplemental screaming. Supplemental screaming. Uh, we maybe hold off on how we felt about the movie until the end. Okay. I feel like it would be maybe important to describe if we liked the movie and how we felt about it up front. Okay. To color our conversation, because we're not going to try to discover our feelings about it. We're just going to talk about it. I might. Uh, so I'll go first, because right. I feel like my take is much more vulnerable. Uh, I feel like... You'll see why. I feel like Joker, as a movie, as a piece of art, is kind of a work of staggering brilliance. Uh, Seeing that movie, I could not have been more surprised. Uh, There's definitely pitfalls. I don't think it's the best movie ever made. And I don't think that its writing is, is without problems. And it makes some choices that I think are more are more of a problem than they really had to be. Uh, but I also think that its score was unimpeachable. I think that the performances... Cro- I know that's a hard word to use right now. Uh, its score was impeccable. There you go. Unapproachable. I feel like the performances pretty much across the board... Perfect. Like, capital P, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the writing, for the most part was actually very good. And I also feel, and we can get into this maybe a little bit later, that for a movie that has maybe five jokes in it, is actually fabulously funny. Okay. Uh, That is my take. 
I will agree with you on a lot of those points. I, I do feel like the movie was shot very well, like cinematographically, cinematographically. Mm-hmm. Um, it it captured the you know the time period very well, like all the colors, everything was purposeful. You could see like a lot of thought went into the composition of the film. I think the acting for the most part was phenomenal. Besides a few nitpicky points I have mm-hmm. that I'm going to get into way later. Yes. Um, I think the music was perfect. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And I feel like for what it was worth, the story, because of the choices they made, the big choice being that this was going to absolutely be Gotham and then set in the DC universe and all that, the story for what working with all that was okay. Mm-hmm. I have major issues in calling this, in my mind, a Joker movie. I feel like it is... The thing about this movie, and I would agree with you, definitely. Because I feel like this movie should not be set in where it's set. Yeah. It should be set in New York. I feel like there is a space for a movie like this to exist, and it is a movie called Joker that uses the iconography of a comic book character that is completely separate from the world of comic books and completely separate from a world that has this character in it but still has this character in it which is a kind of movie that's impossible to make yeah but i feel like if this was a movie set in new york and stars a person who becomes the joker and is in no way tied to anything else this movie would have been perfect. The The writing that I did not like about this movie was everything that made it a DC Batman Joker movie. See, th- that's, that's, that's where I, I was frustrated. Because everything that like tied it to the DC universe, I felt like these are good moves, but the movie doesn't want to do this. The movie... It acts, felt forced. Yeah, the movie doesn't... The movie wants to focus on this character of author, Arthur Fleck. He wants to focus on him and, like, his journey, if you want to call it that, his descent, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. And it wants to focus on, like, mentally ill or, like, the like the mental illness, mental health. It wants mm-hmm. to focus on that. It wants to focus on class differences. But it really doesn't care so much about the comic book universe that it's set in. And... So it's kind of like, well, why, if you want to use the character, I guess, you kind of have to give DC its nod. But it felt so superfluous. It felt Mm -hmm. tacked on. It felt extra. Yeah. And I feel like the movie might have actually benefited if it took place in in New York. Yeah. And then... Because it did. Yeah. It literally just took place in New York. Yeah. I mean, people have been saying like, oh, you know, there, there are some good like nods or homages to like king of comedy or taxi Mm -hmm. i'm like well yeah it could have been one of those yeah it effectively was yeah but i mean the the thing from what i understand after this movie has come out a lot of this has been kind of buried but it seems to be that uh who's the production company that owns dc stuff right now wb Okay. Warner Brothers, yeah. Warner Brothers uh, did not want this movie to be what it was at all. Did they want it to This movie had a shoestring budget of $55 million. Yeah. 
unbelievably they, cheap. They used it very well. They used it very well. But from what I understand, they did not like any of the decisions he made. They were not on board. They did not like that it was effectively going to be a standalone movie. And I feel like for this even to be made, the amount of finagling that must have been done must have included some concession to tie it into the, the greater yeah. DC universe in some way. And, and that might be why those parts feel tacked on they feel fake they don't yeah. they don't have the same writing quality as anything else in the movie like they come out of nowhere arthur fleck absolutely needs somebody to rub against and that could be thomas wayne mm-hmm. it's just thomas wayne comes across as all of his lines don't feel like they're from the same movie i feel like thomas wayne as a character i feel like is Fine. So if if we examine what this movie is, it's a class war movie, right? Yeah, it's, it's a class war movie with perfect politics. Uh, which is hard. I never thought I'd say that about a movie about the Joker. Yeah. Uh, but it's a class war movie and the, the character of Thomas Wayne, I feel like, is fine. I feel like he's, he's disconnected and, and hateful. And the movie is trying to show you uh, the, the barbarism of the ruling class over like the the forgotten majority of people yeah uh so i feel like thomas wayne is fine uh, there was one scene any scene where he had to like interact not speaking into a microphone felt a little yeah hokey and weird i feel like the best scene he had was the interaction in the bathroom okay but everything else it, it's like he would you're running for mayor mm-hmm. and you're going to call the majority of the people who can vote clowns but that's it it's absolutely speaking to the the core thesis of the movie when he does that i I know but like in real in realism and like unless he was like a hardcore conservative today yeah i don't feel like he would have done that in 1950 1980 Uh, whatever i mean in nine in that's only 30 years ago in uh 40 years ago in uh 2020 Holy fuck. Yep. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the thing that... If you look at the 1980s, the 1980s was like the rise of like greed as good capitalism. It's what gave oh, us Reagan. And it's what gave us... Uh, what was that name of that movie? Wall Street. Wall Street. But also, 1981, Thomas Wayne is a perfect stand-in for Reagan. So maybe I was thinking of 1950s for some reason. I was wondering... What year it was in because I wasn't... I didn't say it anymore. Never point. says it in the movie. It's heavily implied it's in the late 70s to early 80s. Todd Phillips has said it's 1981. Okay. Uh, which is fine. Sure. Uh, but no, I totally agree with you that all the stuff that kind of forcefully tied it into the greater DC universe felt totally superfluous to the otherwise brilliant stuff that I felt like the movie was doing. There is one exception. I don't know if we can talk about it. We can talk around it. We can talk around it. Well, the Joker at one point says the line out of context. I don't want to give context to the line, but like my life is a comedy. Mm-hmm. And there is a kind of a comedic sort of ironic thing that happens. Because if you know the story of Batman and the Joker, you know, the, at least from the uh, the killing joke reimagining of the two characters where they sort of complete each other. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a yin and yang, two sides of the same coin, and some actions in this movie lead to the Batman. Yes. And in that one, like, that moment, I think, 
is the only moment that I, I would think it's redeemable for being in mm-hmm. the DC universe because it kind of completes the thought of, you know, my life is a comedy. And then, like, yeah, you kind of gave birth to your own arch rival. I mean, there is a moment in the movie when he's laughing about that exact thing. Yeah. And describes it as a joke that you wouldn't get. Oh, that's what that... Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Okay. That's the joke. That's the joke. Yeah. And, and in a way, like, it's kind of like the uh, Watchmen's comedian, where it's like, you know, he calls himself the comedian, but he, he's never, he never tells jokes or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's because, like, no, he understands that, like, life is kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. The only, and he's the only one who kind of sees it to laugh at it. And the joke, like this take on the Joker is kind of the same way. Only they made him a comedian, and yeah, then then what five jokes were funny? Uh, I can't. Okay, the the sense one, the sense one, the very first joke in the movie. No, the the jokes that were funny are. Do they happen when he's on the? I can't. I don't want to spoil these. Does he? Does it happen when it's? Later, like the l- second to last scene in the movie, are those the jokes? I can't. I don't want to ruin the jokes, but I want to tell you there is a scene where he is entertaining children in a hospital early in the movie. That one's pretty good. When that happened, that's pretty funny be- because of the the weight and the seriousness and the melodrama. Which maybe we'll talk about melodrama, but the the weight and the seriousness of and the melodrama of what was happening. When that happened and it smash cut to him in the phone booth, yeah, me and Allison cracked the fuck up, and yeah. people in the audience, the theater, were like clearly kind of uncomfortable. That was pretty. Funny. And then also started to laugh. Yeah. And then when additional jokes happened in the movie, once again, there's maybe like five. There's a lot of jokes, John. There's. I don't know what you're talking there's, about. There's... He tells jokes. There are literal jokes in the movie. There's, there's little gags. Okay. There's like five oh, so gags. The uh, outside... The, yes. The hot when he says the... Yes. I left out. So when that happened... That was pretty funny. When that happened after the first time when me and Allison laughed at the one joke, that's maybe the next joke. When yeah. that happens, you heard more of the audience get more comfortable yeah. with laughing at it. Okay. There's a scene that... I was very uncomfortable during. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't find it funny. Yes. It was funny from like a 30 years ago, 20 years ago perspective. Uh, there's a little person in the movie. Yes. And there's a scene... Oh, the lock. There's a scene where he can't reach a lock. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. My, my audience laughed like they were laughing their, their hearts out. They were oh, laughing their lungs out. My audience did not laugh. They... I don't. I had a really weird experience with all these families in this Alamo draft house for this Joker movie. But like that Seems was like you had a weird crowd. That was the hardest they laughed, and I was just like, "This feels like some Todd Phillips bullshit uh, that he thinks is funny." That's like, "Oh, you can't do this anymore." I I almost want to defend that choice because I don't. There's a kind of humor that this movie does, and I think does well, and kind of all the gags in it work this way, in that it's funny. It's something that is humorous, but it's humorousness, it's humor buried in like a a dark, 
chest of like uncertainty and doubt and queasiness and dis- and disgust it's garish yeah like when that thing happens in the movie it's garish and like you can tell that like on paper it's a funny thing but it's just happening and you just saw something horrible and you don't you can't laugh because it's not funny but it is something that is in its nature a humorous yeah. Thing. Well, I mean, you also kind of don't know what's going to happen. I was tense because I was like, oh, I, yeah. something horrible did just happen. I, I kind of might it, have expected horrible things to continue to happen. But no, my theater lost their shit. I, I think that's exactly what it's supposed to do because it's it's putting this little thing that is, oh, this is humor. But it's putting it inside of like anxiety and sadness and violence it's wrong it's garish it feels disgusting it should make you feel nauseous the movie does that repeatedly and also does it with a song which is one of the things that made me feel like this movie's kind of genius what did i miss like the one there's a couple like the one piece of licensed music This isn't a spoiler, I guess. You can say the song. The song is Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. It plays when he's dancing on the staircase. Oh, yeah. Oh, the uh, the cut away from the scene? That's not the joke. Oh, what's the, the joke? The joke is the song they chose. Oh, okay. Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter is like a 1972 jock jam. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter was extremely popular in movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was all over the place. It was played at sporting events. It was played in movies. It was played at high school graduations. That song is was phenomenally popular. It has no lyrics. It's just kind of like that driving melody and it's it was so popular. It was like P.O.D.'s Here Comes the Boom for the 70s, 80s, and 90s. The Rude Sandstorm. Yeah, it's kind of like a sandstorm. You know why that song's no longer played? What happened? Gary Glitter went to prison for being a pedophile for like 20 years, got out, went to Thailand, did the same thing, is currently in prison probably for the rest of his life. No one plays that song like, it, it is well known in Hollywood, you do not play Rock and Roll Part 2 because this person's a monster, right? So it would be the perfect song choice it's, for a celebratory, you know, montage of, of Joker. Of a monster, of a pathetic monster. You play you play disgraced jock jam oh, yeah. over a moment of what could, if you take that song out like they did in all the trailers, look triumphant. And it, it recharacterizes it as this disgusting, pathetic, nauseous moment. Because there's no way that a director, an editor, and a music director heard that extremely infamous song. No one, no one submitted that song to be in there, and they didn't know. Yeah. They 100% knew. Also, Gary Glitter, not getting royalties. Universal Media Publishing Group has not paid him royalties for like 30 years and will not. So if you feel bad and you want to join the outrage mob about him getting paid royalties for the song being in the movie, stop it. Well, I, see, there's a certain amount of intertextuality that you would need going into the movie. 
Because I didn't know any of that. So good. It's such a good choice. It's brilliant. Okay. I I loved that so much. But in the moment, so sickening. I don't know. I really liked the cutaway. You know, they show the... Mm. No, that's funny, too. That's pretty yeah, funny. That's definitely funny. I really love... Like, uh, so, not spoilers for uh, Endgame, but, you know... They recontextualize the opening of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. With the cutaway to the two characters. <laughs> Moments like that are fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's very good. Man, Endgame that is, is so good. That is one of the jokes, one of the gags yeah. that lands. Uh, what, something that I didn't anticipate from this movie, and like I said, I think its politics are basically perfect. Yeah. How the fuck are you going to make... A superhero movie, yes, an R-rated superhero movie that'll never be part of any extended universe. At least I pray God it never is. I mean, a Batman movie is following it. Sure, but you can't. This movie has to exist on its own. I would hope so. Yeah, we have to hope. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we, We discussed this a little bit last week. The age difference between the two characters. You yeah. could totally have a Batman grow up and never even interact with this Joker. Exactly. The closest you could get is if you get a Robert Pattinson Batman Year One. Which would be pretty like okay. 19-year-old Bruce Wayne. Well, Batman Year One would be somewhere in his late 20s. Oh, yeah. Because he only becomes Batman and is like... I feel like he's 30 by the yeah, time Batman... Fair. And prime Batman, like, at his peak is like 35. Yeah. Batman old. I think Batman right now might be in his 40s, but that's kind of pushing it. Batman Batman is eternally somewhere between 30 and 40. Yes, Batman old. Uh, <laughs> Why do you say old? We're about to be 30. Batman old. Uh, I am 30. Fuck! Yep. I am 30. Have been for a while. Jesus Christ. Are you okay? Are you about to die? Not okay. Okay. Uh, but when I say this movie has perfect politics... Not to say anything that happens further into the movie, because it just kind of hammers this point home. In no way was I expecting a comic book movie of this caliber and reputation to essentially be anti-austerity. Like, it's an anti-austerity narrative. It's And it's also... You're going to need to, uh, for the people like me, uh, define austerity. Austerity is cutting government spending to social programs. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's a that was a really good part of the so movie. So it is a class war movie in its themes. It is a anti-austerity movie in its text. Yes. It is literally about how cutting social programs for the most dire citizens has immediate horrible repercussions to their lives and then by extension the lives of everyone else. Because Repeatedly, in a movie that could have gone very political, the main character states explicitly that he's apolitical. He doesn't pay attention to this stuff. He's seen multiple times ignoring class plight Mm -hmm. because he doesn't register himself as being a participant in an ongoing class war. Yeah. He is, and he ends up being a very important one, but the only thing that matters to him and the thing that makes everything in this movie happen... Is government spending cuts to social programs. And it comes up multiple times in the movie. It's not just a coincidence that it's a thing. It's literally what the movie is telling you. Even hand puppets it. So good. There's a there's a a line that I that I like really I I picked out to remember. Um 
But the, he, he says, like, oh, yeah, I stopped taking my meds. It's like, nah, you didn't really have a choice. Yeah, you, you did because not. Because they literally took them away from you. Yeah, you had, you had nowhere to <laughs> There was to no way medication. to get them. Yeah. yeah. And it's horrifying. And that's... Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to say that, like, what happens to Arthur Fleck happens to everyone who has their social programs cut. But it's not too far off in that they go through a, a massive descent in their lives unless they're able to find like a reliable social safety net or like additional supplemental programs to get them the help they need in one way or another yeah like cutting government spending to social programs ruins lives almost immediately by the thousands it's funny because uh if you look at the two sort of like political camps of horror movies the conservative horror movies are always like teenagers are deviant and they get punished yeah but I feel like the real conservative conservative horror movie that should resonate with them is like the government cuts spending for like social pro- programs and suddenly like a mass murderer is on the loose. And if only the government would have kept spending their money on these social programs, this would have never have happened. So I would love to see a take from like, so the, the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's Joker became kind of a a cipher for a certain kind of like white male outrage for people who are very we live in a society and like very unfairly absolutely because the that joker is is philosophical but not to the degree that it's like it Heath Ledger's Joker gets attributed things the character literally doesn't stand for yeah yeah the only thing he stands for is nothing yeah Nothing in chaos, which is a very easy thing to ascribe uh, philosophies to. Yeah. It's one of the easiest, like, blank so, slates. So you're saying, like, if this, if Joaquin Phoenix's Joker if, could if resonate. Joaquin Phoenix Joker resonates with young Republicans, that's going to be so fucking funny to me. If, if people... If people think his apolitical stances are like the actual text of the film, and not the literal text of the film, which yeah. is there is an ongoing war between the aristocratic slash media class and the lower class, uh, and austerity kills people on both sides, yeah. that would be hilarious that to would, me. That would be... They would side with Randall. They would side with the other shitty clown with the gun. Randall exists... Let's talk about the fact that pretty much every superhero movie from beginning of Marvel Cinematic Universe to end in DC Cinematic Universe is like a master class in uh, reactionary politics. The only somewhat nuanced take we got on reactionary politics being a bad thing is The Dark Knight when Batman creates the global non-consensual surveillance system that he uses to find the Joker. He corrupts his own morals uh essentially for the greater good he only has one rule don't kill yeah but he, he it, nowhere does he say i'm not gonna surveillance everybody but i mean it, it's fairly obvious in the film that creating a massive global sur- secret private surveillance program is not good yeah no you can't I mean, see that and think it's good 10 year spoilers but he, he he does like give lucius fox the command code to like wipe it out yeah but i mean you can't feel like that's good that that exists yeah. And that's kind of... Even the, though it does exist today. And that's kind of the only superhero movie that has any kind of anti-reactionary politics message. Yeah. Whereas almost every other superhero movie is pretty uh, pro-military, uh, pro-interventionism, pro-reactionist, pro-reactionary politic. 
pretty much across the board. Whereas this movie has a, a literal clown with a gun who is a stand-in for reactionaries. Yeah. It's, politics are so good. I had another point, but I don't remember what it was. Hmm. Uh, well, oh, we are getting uh, uh, another... This is about time we, we read another message from our sponsor. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, the Joker. The Joker mm-hmm. uh, he, he says, Walking uh, Phoenix ain't got nothing on me. I don't dance. Wait, hold on. Uh, it continues. Walking uh, Phoenix, more like, won't be walking anymore when I shoot him in the spine. Yikes. Well, that's, that's ooh. man. Wow. Parallels. Mm. Uh, interpretive dance, though. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of dance. Now, here's a question, Mr. Staggering Brilliance over here. What was the purpose of the dancing? The purpose of the dancing, hear me out. Okay, I will. The purpose of the dancing is to show him becoming, uh, comfortable being quote-unquote who he is. Being this violent, uh, disruptive, uh, psychopathic killer. Okay. Because if you notice his, like... His, his body movements throughout time, when he's, like, trapped, they're very... Even when he, like, moves by himself... Number one, Joaquin Phoenix gave himself, like, weird scoliosis for this role. He holds his body in a very specific way. In, like, all hunched over, like, computer neck. Like, he's... I was very uncomfortable... Uh, it was the, uh, the, the... He was practicing scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, like... He just stretches out in his breathing. You can just see every single one of his ribs. Don't like it. And it's like, hey, you know, props to you for committing so deeply to the role, which, you know, I do want to give Joaquin Phoenix props for his portrayal of a Joker. Yeah. But again, I have to say, I wouldn't call this a Joker movie. I would absolutely call it a Joker movie. I have several questions about decisions that were made. Interpretive dance notwithstanding, what are the qualifications to be a Joker movie other than to literally be a character called the Joker? Dreadlock Joker from The Batman. Is that a Joker? Well, okay, so the Joker has to do a few things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Psychotic. Mm -hmm. uh, Amoral. Yes. And tell jokes. Sure. What does Batman have to do? Batman has to be... uh, We've talked about this before, but like an absolute belief in humanity no matter what, uh-huh. which is why no killing. Yes. Uh, so early age Batman, like canon Batman with a gun who killed people, not Batman. Uh, Kind of, yeah. Okay. Because that was an introduction of the character. Batman from uh, Batman vs. Superman, we unloads a minigun into that truck full of people, not Batman. Kind of. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, like, I guess yeah, if we're doing absolutes. Yes. These are the absolute, because you can stray from absolutes and still have it be. But the absolute, like, purest forms of the character. Yeah. So, you know, absolute belief in humanity, do not kill. Yes. Uh, sense of justice that overwhelms everything and literally prepared for every situation. Like, yes. That's Batman. Uh-huh. And the Joker is, you know, psychotic, whatever the second one was, and tells jokes. Yes. Um, but, like, there's, I don't know. So so if, if we're just doing those ca- those characteristics for the two characters... Yes, this absolutely was a Joker movie. Mm-hmm. I just... There were character choices that I have to wonder about. Mm-hmm. Because it's... Joaquin Phoenix had a very... Uh, I would... What I would call a normal voice throughout the film. Yeah. 
but when he embodies this 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 Joker character, suddenly it's more effeminate, and mm-hmm. I want to know why. Yeah, why does he feel well, like what what is up with that? Mm-hmm. So like uh, his voice becomes more effeminate. His voice and his speaking mannerisms. I guess I didn't notice that. Well, it, it's it, it is it it especially came through, and I don't want to spoil anything, but in like. His big moment. Yes. The ultimate confrontation of the film. Yes. Which incredible that we can have a comic book movie and that be the ultimate confrontation of the film. Well, I feel like it, we're due for movies with low, not low stakes, but like where the, the, the climax is not a big old fist fight, but is yeah, like a, thank God. Yeah. I, mean, I We're due for a, a few of those. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's... See, that's a thing that I don't think a Marvel movie can pull off. Mm-hmm. Because a Marvel movie is a certain type of film, and so this is it's yeah. like a completely different Marvel sort of... like a baby-brained... Uh... Don't make fun of Marvel movies. Okay, it's fine. Mar- Marvel literally just gave us one of the best cinematic experiences <laughs> in history. You're right. And I want to acknowledge that even though I made jokes about it earlier on my Facebook feed. <laughs> I've been doing Joker posts. I for, saw. Yeah, I saw. For the past two days. So in that scene, in that climactic scene... Uh, his mannerisms, you know, like the he's coy, mm-hmm. and in that coyness, yeah, his voice rises a few octaves, and he just to me he comes off. And I'm not saying like he's not playing it up; it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering the distinction between the two. It's an obvious decision, mm-hmm. and I get that. You know, like now he's in his persona. Now he's in, he, like this is himself. Yeah, but I have to wonder. Why? I would be interested to watch that film again and compare the... Because I think that, I mean, no one would argue that Joaquin Phoenix is probably one of, if not the best living actor. Yeah. Uh, but I would be interested to compare his his vocal mannerisms and, and his timbre when he's speaking as the Joker compared to when he's telling jokes and feeling good about himself because it might be a factor of his confidence because it it's repeated throughout the movie that like the kind of the kind of person that he wants to be is like a confident melodramatic there's the word again melodrama there's yeah. a really good article in Jacobin about it okay uh, but he wants to be this confident melodramatic showman in the style of like a like a clown. Of like a man who cries. Because when he's like feeling himself and feeling confident, he becomes more feminine, not in like a negative way. Yeah, yeah. But but he develops feminine traits, and I feel like that does speak to something about his character. So I it's deliberate is the thing, and I I just want to know, so what does that mean from the director and because like I don't I don't get it from the film. The film doesn't tell me that. Yeah. So I want to know like the, from the director and from Joaquin Phoenix, like what what did those choices mean from you? Because I don't want to interpret it as like, oh, he's crazy, that therefore he's acting like a woman. Yeah. Which is a very reductive statement, which I don't think the movie is trying to put forth. Mm-hmm. But like there are elements in the movie that make me question. Like the scene with the little person to me is very reductive and very of a certain mindset. Yeah. And that might lead me to believe, like, oh, of course he's crazy. Of course he's going to take on these effeminate traits. Mm-hmm. I just... What sort of type of hysteria are we dealing with? Yeah. The, the old definition of hysteria, where it was like, it's a woman's disease? 
mm-hmm. or like a craziness that is a, more of a madness. And I know I, I can kind of answer the question myself mm-hmm. because I don't think the movie is trying to make those statements. Yeah. But I'm really curious from Todd Phillips what exactly he wanted to put forth. It's more of a reflection on him than the film. Yeah, I, I, I would be curious to know because it, it is definitely something that you see uh, the character of Arthur Fleck embody over time. And it might just be because he wants to like be a more feminine person. And, and that could be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah honestly. But that it's, it's impossible to say because it's a choice that's made amongst other... Hundreds of other like pretty nuanced choices, so yeah. who can really say? But I see where you're coming from. And, and like, uh, my wife had a really good point because I described, you know, because you know I've been a fan of the Joker, not a fan of the Joker, but like I've been a fan. You've of been this, twisted. I've been a little twisted. I've been a fan of the Batman, mm-hmm. and the Batman's, you know, the if you like the hero, you kind of like their best villains, and the Joker is honestly the best villain, and DC has. So I like I followed so many iterations, so many portrayals of the Joker, mm-hmm. including the Batman, the Dreadlock Joker, which yeah. you know aesthetic wise I think is, was really cool. Muscular Dreadlock Joker. Yeah, why not? Why not? Sure. Um, but so it's like all of these choices were new to me, and so my 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 traditionalist sort of inclination is to be like, I I need to question it. I need to understand it. Yeah, because like Mark Hamill's. Joker, like, the Joker I grew up on from the animated series. Yeah, he had a high-pitched voice, he had a high-pitched laugh, but it was never really... I never really got the vibe that it was, like, a feminine. It was like, no, he was just... this. He's a clown, so yeah, he has a high-pitched voice. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. In a weird, kind of twisted way. Yeah. But just because of the other elements of the film that I, I you know didn't really like i just had to question this and my wife brought up the point where like i guess and and like when you when a person is transitioning Mm -hmm. they speak the way they start representing they start living in the other state or their desired state Mm -hmm. whether or not like the you know the the biology the biology matches Mm mm-hmm and so she was like, well, maybe he was talking that way because that's how he wanted to be. And he was, you know, that's just, he was embodying yeah. that Joker, mm-hmm. even though, like, that's not his normal voice. And I'm like, well, that's a good point because he was, in a way, transitioning. Yeah, he was transitioning into the Joker. Yeah. But I, I think that's a fairly good point as well. Yeah, and so I was like, well... Yeah, I like that interpretation, and that's all we're probably going to get. I don't think there's going to be a time where Joaquin Phoenix or Todd Phillips just comes out and tells us. Cause or comes on the podcast. Huh? Or if they come on the podcast, we'll ask them. We could ask them. We yeah. could absolutely ask them. Uh, but until such a time happens where we get celebrity guests, it's like when you read a book. The author's not there to tell you. Yeah, you just have to assume. Pure, like, from from interpreting art, yeah, we have to interpret it the way we can and so my statements were i said earlier i don't think that i don't think the movie's trying to say like women are crazy or anything like that like effeminate traits equals crazy Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what the movie is saying it's just one interpretation that you could possibly support yeah but i me personally i don't think that's what it's trying to say and i guess that's the reading i should go with and i should sort of just save that question for if i ever get the chance to ask them 
And I guess that's something that I, I wondered about in this movie as well. It's like, I, number one, big interpretive dance guy. Not really? that I do it, but I love it when it's in movies and TV shows. Big fan of the OA, basically a show about interpretive and modern dance. Well, see, I, I was wondering what distinction you were making between modern and interpretive dance. Uh, modern dance, typically speaking, is more choreographed. Modern dance okay. is, is more kinetic. Interpretive dance is trying to express pure feeling through motion. Yeah. More so. Okay. With interpretive dance, you're trying to speak more than you're trying to dance. Gotcha. With modern dance, you're trying to dance more than you're trying to speak. Okay. Uh, and also with modern dance, it incorporates a lot of like classical dance styles, uh, steps, what things is, like that. What is the. What, okay. He's feeling himself. That's the. He did. It, like, I, I liked it. Yeah. It's a, so what, what I'm referring to for our, our non-visual viewers, which is everyone, because we're just a, an audio podcast, he does like this, this what would you call it? Like a, a, a hip pump. thrust. A hip he thrust? does like a hip thrust. An arm pump hip thrust. Yeah. Multiple times. Mul- multiple times. It's, it's one of the only moves that carries out throughout all of his, his dances, and he does it a specific way. Yeah. It's just one. Yeah. It's interesting. I think he's so... I really like interpretive dance as a character in that in this movie because it does have a progression throughout time in that he I think his his dancing is an expression of how comfortable he is being this twisted broken person because the thing is it's a movie about mental health and austerity but also the thing that this movie is saying is that he wants to be this person he now. Want, he doesn't want to be the the stiff rigid Arthur Fleck, he wants to be this this free sort of... Yeah, he, he's trapped in his life, and when everything is taken away from him, he wants to be this person. He wants to exhibit these, like, violent, sudden behaviors. He wants to feel confident, and he wants to feel theatrical and melodramatic, and he wants to be a comedian. He wants to be the people that he sees on stage, these, like, extremely, like, virile powerful funny commanding people that's all he wants yeah that's his like number one goal is to is to make people laugh but also have an audience i think that he says his mother says yeah the only thing that he was made to do is put laughter in the world but clearly the thing that he wants over and over again is to be confident to have an audience i think that he wants to be adored in a selfish pathetic way that we all it's something that I think, on a weird human level, we all sort of want. Mm-hmm. We all want our jokes to land, even if we have no dreams of doing stand-up comedy. We all want adoration. We don't want fame, necessarily, but we want to be adored. Yeah. It, one thing you can do, and I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but when Arthur Fleck does his set, and he, oh, it yeah. goes well... Sort of. He imagines it going well. There you go. Uh, when Arthur Fleck does his set... Watch how he moves his body in the very last scene of the film on the police car. Oh, that one. Okay. Because it's the same. Okay. Because the way that he imagined himself receiving adoration is a perfect mirror to when it actually... It's what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, he but, does like this. But yeah, we're not a non-visual podcast, so just imagine yeah, whatever just imagine. you want. But the the thing we that interpretive dance, the thing that interpretive dance serves as a character is you see that 
not only the locations he does these things, yeah. but also the freedom with which he performs them is greater and greater and greater as he settles into this is what I am, this is what I've always been. Now I'm being the true version of my life. I'm being the comedy version of my life. So I will be honest. I thought initially, I, well, I just didn't get really the point of the dancing. I was aware of, it became a meme on the internet with the, the steps, the steps yeah. dancing. And I thought, okay, so it's just a build up to that. That's how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. But hearing your explanation, no, absolutely. Cause he doesn't, we don't see him do that sort of dance until something really big happens. Yeah. Whenever, whenever he takes a step to becoming this thing, it happens. Yes, exactly. And, and so like from that end, from, from what you're saying and, and that reading of it, yeah, I, that's good. I understand it now. And it's, that's probably what they were going for. The first time he does it is in the pain and the sadness and the panic of a bathroom. Yeah. The last time he does it is right before the final thing he thinks he's ever going to do. Yes. And then other stuff happens oh. for sure. Uh-huh. But here's the thing about the Joker. Circling back to the like uh, this being a Joker movie. I don't know if that character goes on to do more things. In terms of, like, additional... No, absolutely not. I I don't think that there's any room... No. ...in this story for this character to have longevity at all. Yeah, no, this character, like, that story is sort of told. Yeah. To to do more is to, to take away from the story that was told. Yeah. Like... So, in that end, from a comic book, a different medium altogether, perspective. Yeah. It's hard for me to wrap my head around this being a Joker. Because the Joker, to me, not a Joker. I could say, like, this could be a Joker, but it's not the Joker. Yes. You know? Because, like, the Joker is like a a cosmic force. It's The the pre-roll at Alamo Draft House that... uh, I think his name is John W. Smith. I really mm-hmm. like his work. Yeah. Um, he, he does a lot of the pre-roll for um, the comic book movies. Mm-hmm. He, he referred to the Joker as like a trickster god. And that kind of, yeah. Yes. And explicably, the Joker lives, not lives, but like continues on to do more bad. Yeah. Continues on to have more schemes. Mm-hmm. But this version of the Joker, I don't, I, I think he did, he became what he, he is. I don't know if he goes on to, like, rob a bank. No. I, I don't feel like when Joker 4 comes out, we're going to be eating our hat about this. But I really don't think that this movie is anything that has any longevity in terms of being sequelized throughout time. It can't. Uh, well, I mean, okay. It can't, and, it can't and maintain its integrity. I feel like yes. Joker, the movie... Yeah. If it ends up going anywhere, I feel like it's going to go anywhere in a killing joke way. Oh. In that, if they decide, events from this could carry forward, but I do feel like that character, his arc and his philosophy, especially the ending, would definitely, would have to be forgotten. No, I feel like his character would definitely fit into a killing joke kind of way. But I'm saying, like... He had had one bad day. But I'm saying it fits in like the killing joke does, which is, if you take the killing joke as a work, it exists totally outside of... 
of comic book, even though the things that happen in it carry, carry forward on. canonically into Batman. Yeah. However, the ending of the killing joke, I believe, is that Batman kills the Joker. That's not what happens. Uh, and it can't go forward. That's not what happens. They embrace, sure. Their shadows become one. That's not same. what happens. Uh, they don't kill each other. I'm, I'm sorry. But I, Batman does not kill the Joker. I feel like... He the, never breaks his rule. I feel like the killing joke, except in Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the early <sighs> Batman, and Look, every time in Batman died uh-huh he never breaks his rule he never breaks why his do rule. you fucking hate batman he doesn't <laughs> I, I don't hate batman i think that he's uh yes. philosophically and ideologically inconsistent well, probably and from a realist perspective knocking a person out and giving them brain damage <laughs> probably isn't that much better than outright killing them yeah that's not the point of batman i'm just saying you Binary should, rules about Batman don't make sense. Look, you should absolutely punish people who who commit crimes. Yeah, but they deserve murder. they deserve a chance to be rehabilitated. The Batman that was shown at Superman versus Batman, whatever the fuck it was called, Donna Justice, mm-hmm. he had just lost Jason Todd. He was very, he, he was in a bad place. He was in a bad place. So he mur- bad murdered place. all those people. And look, so arrest him. Or try to. I dare you to arrest the Batman. Arrest Batman. Arrest him. Try. Look, look, Batman has two rules. Number one, he never kills. Number two, prove it. Although in Batman versus Superman, Donald Justice, like, he literally branded his victims with, like, the battering. Yeah. I don't... It's very sick. Look. I'm just saying... Shut up. I think that this could like the killing joke one of two ways. He lost his parents to a murderer... That means he's legally allowed to do two murders. It could either be totally separate from the universe, or it could be somehow mainlined into future things. But I can't imagine how. I don't Let the movie it's... exist as it is. So I want to circle back to a joke I wanted to make earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. You could not make a sequel to this without tarnishing the original. Good thing we have a director that's never made two yeah. more sequels to an original to kind of ruin what he had put down, cough, cough, <sighs> hangover one, two, and three. Oh, boy. Really? I'm so concerned because Joaquin Phoenix has apparently said in interviews that he really likes the character. I'm like, don't do it again. Don't do it again, Joaquin. If this movie is a standalone, it is good. Yes. If this movie gets a sequel or is connected in some way to the Robin Pattinson, his name's Robert, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson Batman, the sequel will have shoes to fill. What if? That's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yes. But what if we get a Kevin Feige-like creative voice, Joker restarts the clock on the DC Cinematic Universe. Okay. Every DC movie from here on out is a highly serious, troubling, dark, politically perfect period piece. Yeah. That would rule, but it would be impossible. It's weird because they would have to, like, walk back what they've done recently and kind of, like, bring Zack Schneider back into the fold because that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He was doing very serious, very dark takes on our favorite But he was doing them in the form of cartoons. Well, yes. Uh, one day someone needs to sit down, Mr. Zack Schneider, and tell him 
uh, no slow mo. Just never do any. Just don't. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. He. That's the one complaint I have about the Watchmen movie. I like that movie. I yeah, very much enjoyed sure. it. But because of the slow mo, you made average people look like superheroes, which goes against the entire point of Watchmen. Is that there are no superheroes? Yeah, they're just people. Even their moments of relative triumph, like when uh, Night Owl and whatever the lady's name is. Her name is Silk Spectre 2. Go out on, like, Crime Patrol. It's still, like, a silly, bumbling, fast, confusing thing that happens. They, so, they, like, they get cornered in, a, in an alley. Mm-hmm. And, like, Night Owl or Silk Spectre, I don't know which one. Like, they they kind of, like, punch a guy and, like, the arm, their arm breaks and bone is exposed. And it's like, no, no, no. When Pat, when Batman punches somebody, bones don't break. Like yeah. they're the same power level as Batman. Yes, physically, like mentally, yeah. whatever. Batman's the greatest detective in the world. Yeah, but uh, like, no, these are these are supposed to be normal human beings. Yes, come on, that would be a lot. So I, I think to wrap up our discussion of the Joker, you said sort of we were going to give our, our final verdict. Is that what the I plan think we is? gave our final verdict at the beginning? Uh, which is, I think it's great. I like it as a standalone movie, not connected to any sort of larger expanded universe, with the sort of caveat that this is a Joker, and not the Joker, which doesn't even really need to be said. Yeah. Because, like, there's no origin story for the Joker. I agree with you on the first point, in that... It's a good uh, movie. It's a good movie, (laughs) disconnected from everything else. If... It is connected to everything else and becomes a thing. I hate it. I'm done it with gets, cinematic universes. There is a fatigue. Like I'm so people done. Th- people thought it was going to be a superhero bubble. I think what honestly is going to happen is a, is a cinematic universe bubble. Yeah, I'm so fucking sick of cinematic universes. Okay. Endgame was the last one that I will tolerate. If you fucking give me a movie that's part of some other fucking bullshit cinematic universe, Marvel... I get it. They're addicted. Still drop that shit. I'm so tired of movies being parts of universes. I mean, you can't really blame Marvel because it's made them more money. Oh, yeah. Made them God. Yeah, made them... You can't blame them. So you're telling me, John, you're telling me. So you're telling me right now, right here in front of God, the devil... And the Joker. And the Joker... You know, thank you for sponsoring us. Yeah. All three of you. Yeah. Thank you, Joker. (laughs) Not thank you to the other one. You're... you're, Another two. No, there's one person we cannot thank. Oh. Alex Jones? No, goddammit. (laughs) You're telling me right now, in front of all these witnesses, in front of all of our fans, that you are not excited for the Toho universe... Godzilla. Okay. Hold Kong on. Skull a, Island. There's an exception. Godzilla King of Monsters. There's an exception to everything. Godzilla versus King Kong is next. There's an exception to everything. Uh, give me the Toho Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Absolutely. King Ghidorah, Mecha Ghidorah. Give me everything. The, f- the great thing about that uh, Cinematic Universe, we could just call it a fucking series. They come out one after each other. Yeah, it's just a series. Yeah, it's not a... Hold on, though. What if you have a period of time where there's a Godzilla movie next to a Destroya movie? I watch it. I would watch the hell out of it. A Destroya movie would be interesting, because Destroy's not a good guy. 
Destroyer is he's Space Godzilla, right? Space Godzilla. Yeah, okay. Um, I like that series because it proves that like they don't necessarily need to be like uh, hit him out of the park, triple A like successes to be successful. Yeah, I love those because they prove you don't have to be good to be good. They're good in their own right. They're Godzilla movies. So Kong Skull Island, I I hated that one. I I, I posit that Kong Skull Island is a perfectly okay movie. It's okay. It gets everything right and is yeah. still not great. It's fine. Yeah. There's so much good happening in that movie. And it's okay. It's 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 one of those it's like I really like I really like John C. Riley in that movie. Fucking there's no movies anymore where you watch them and you go, Alright, I watched that. That never happens. Me and Allison I What I, happened to me with El Camino? Oh, I wanna see that. So uh, no spoilers. So also when we went to see Joker, it was an empty showing because everyone was, was at El Camino. Oh, but but also that happened to me with Snowpiercer. That was like okay, I watched uh, it. Yeah, that uh, I think Snowpiercer is really good. But I, I think I think if I had seen it two years ago, I would thought before everyone told you the thing. No one told me anything. Oh, no one told you the spoiler. No. Oh. No, I, I went to the movie blind. Honestly. Okay. The only thing I knew about that movie is that uh, it's the same director as Parasite, a movie that I kind of want to watch. Watch Parasite. Also watch Mother and the Host. The Host, I think, is his best movie. Wait, Mother as in... What's Mother? Mother, it's a it's a Korean movie. Okay, so not the one with Jennifer Lawrence. No, not the one with Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Uh, but no, I... That was I, liked, really... I, I enjoyed Snowpiercer. I thought it dragged a little bit. Yeah. I thought... It was... I don't know. Why would you make one of the characters psychic? Uh, it's, it pays off at the very end. Snowpiercer is a very strange movie because it's a movie from thoroughly, like, the Korean perspectives with American actors. Well, and with an American budget. like Yeah. And also, I really like the whole premise. I made, I made a joke. Uh, it might have been on Facebook. Remember the, a movie called High Rise... Or no. Skyscraper, one no. of those two. So, it starred Dwayne Johnson. Oh, Skyscraper. Skyscraper. I wanted that to be the same thing as Snowpiercer, where he had to, like, fight his way up the tower and different, like, strata of, like, class. Uh-huh. No, it, there was... Sorry, it's not the Dwayne Johnson movie. I'm very confused right now. Yes. There was another movie called, like, High Rise. Uh-huh. It might have had Ewan McGregor in it. Sure. It might have had Jude Law in Was it, it The Tower Heist? With Ben Stiller? No. Yeah. That's my response to you. I'm flipping John off. Yeah. No, there was a movie called, like, High Rise. Sure. With, like, one of those two British men in it. Uh-huh. And uh, from the trailer, it looked exactly like a stratification sort of thing. But I think it was, like, about, like, dumb political, like... Wait, do you want to watch a movie about people climbing a skyscraper yes. fighting increasing stratification? Yeah. Uh, watch The Raid and watch the new Judge Dredd. Okay. Both of those movies are literally about that. Okay. Oh, God, watch The also Raid. Also Die Hard. Oh, if you haven't seen The Raid, watch The Raid. The first Die Hard. Yeah, the first, yeah. Yeah, Nagatim... Nakatomi Plaza. Thank you. Watch the raid. The raid is exactly what you want. Is that um? Is that old boy? What old boy? Not the same director, I don't think. Uh, actor? I don't know. Yeah. Watch the raid. Uh, what was I saying? Which one? There's three. The raid. Just the raid. 
Not the second one? Just the raid. If you're wanting what you're literally saying, which is fighting up a high-rise, watch the raid. Yeah, but no, but like each level is a new like class system. Yeah, each level is a new thing. Well, not, it's like a video game. Okay, well, not different levels, but like literally social economic classes. I think Dread is going to be more up your alley for that. Because that, that, the one thing about Snowpiercer... Oh, well, spoilers for a three-year-old film. Uh, toward the end of the train, uh, not a lot of fighting. Yeah, not a lot of fighting. Yeah. yeah. What was I saying before Snowpiercer talked? What, what's his name? Ed Harris. What is happening? Ed Harris was in that film. I was talking about a thing before Snowpiercer. We were talking about Snowpiercer. What was I talking about before Snowpiercer? We were talking about the Joker movie. Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla. You were tired of cinematic universes. Tired of cinematic universes. And honestly, I feel like there's not a lot of... Toho, give me Toho. There's not a lot of room for cinematic universes, because even Toho is more, I would say, of a series. Not like one, two, three, but like, you know, they do sort of follow each other. I remember exactly what I was saying. I don't think there are a lot of movies anymore where you watch her like, I don't regret it. I didn't hate it. I absorbed it. I don't want to like rant online about it. Because me and Allison, I got a half price books problem. You keep buying books. You keep buying books and movies. I wish I had that book problem. Uh, so if you go to half price books, let me tell you, you can get a collector's edition uh, ultra 4K HD collector's edition of Blade Runner 2049 for a hot $7. Hey, we should have a movie night. Absolutely. I just want to watch that one film. Uh, you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049? I haven't seen it. Absolutely, you should watch it. Yeah. Uh, but me and Allison recently rewatched Blade Runner 2049, and the whole time I was watching uh, it, my brain was like alive with fireworks because I love that movie. You already watched it recently. I don't want to make you watch it again. I will watch that movie once a week for the rest of my life. I love that movie. Well, we got a big screen. But my brain was like alive with fireworks because the whole time I was watching Blade Runner 2049, I was overstimulated because I'm like, oh man, this shot uses miniatures mixed with CGI just like in the original Blade Runner. This is really cool. Look at the LAPD building. That's just a giant miniature. It's like 18 feet tall. Oh man, uh, Ryan Gosling looks great like yeah i i was like oh man this this uh baseline test is actually the poem from nabokov's pale fire like everything in that movie was like triggering distant little explosions in my brain and i feel like a lot of movies do that now but it's kind of nice to have movies like kong skull island where you're like all right cool which i also feel like maybe is how a lot of people watch movies well yeah i I can't there's a lot of yeah I do the same thing not with like film composition but I can do it I can like break out like the themes of a thing you know my, my stupid uh, my whole profession book brain yeah book brain uh, but like ready or not that was a movie that I watched and mm-hmm. I was like hey okay yeah ready or not's kind it, of on the same level too that was like, a little bit more for me it wasn't good it wasn't bad. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'd say it was good, and it was fun. I would say it's Canadian. It's very Canadian. It's very Canadian, in that it's passable. Well, a movie coming out uh, this month? No, it's not November. Next month, Knives Out, I think it's going to be like... I think it's going to be like an enjoyable, fun ride. It's going to be very interesting to see what people say about a Ryan Johnson work post The Last Jedi. What's what's really funny... Because there's a lot of people out there already planning to hate it because people have no lives. Yeah, I don't want to talk about them. My friend who... It's fajita time. Did you hear something? 
Yeah, Jamie's home. Hi! Um, so, my friend who didn't like The Last Jedi, not for, like, uh, racist reasons. Oh, so for misogynist reasons. Not for misogynist reasons. For He has he, he's, he nitpicks the entire film for Star Wars reasons. That's fair. I also... But for what it's to, worth... To, to, to finish that sentence, yeah. he doesn't like Ryan Johnson because of Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. He's looking forward to Knives Out, and I was like, that's interesting because it's Ryan Johnson... And his response is, yeah, if it sucks, I know why. I'm like, well, it's not going to suck, you idiot. Yeah, it's not going to suck because Ryan Johnson, all of his movies are good. Yeah. All of the TV shows, all the TV episodes he's directed, great. Ryan Johnson's good. The uh, Fly. The Fly. Ozymandias. <gasps> it's the best episode. Yeah, he directed the two best episodes. El- Should have directed El Camino. Uh, El Camino is good. I've heard. It's good. I've heard that it's good. I've heard that... Okay. So this is the sentence I said to my dad. Mm -hmm. If you're expecting something transformative, like Better Call Saul, in the same universe but a completely different show, you're going to expect too much from it. If you expect more Breaking Bad, you're right there. This is the, the most nuanced take I've heard of El Camino, which makes me more excited than anything, is they gave you what you wanted in that they gave you one last long episode of Breaking yes. Bad and that yeah. is it. It's it's good. I enjoyed it very much. It was the first thing I watched in my binge weekend. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about my binge weekend? No. I been okay. El Camino, Snowpiercer, then the entirety of season three of Twin Peaks. Nice. Eighteen hours. I've not watched any new Twin Peaks. Mr. Jackpots? Mr. Jackpots. The the third season of Twin Peaks, we're not gonna get into it. It made me smile. I it made me smile a lot. I want to watch the third season of Twin Peaks real bad because from what I understand, I love Twin Peaks. I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. I've seen that show a lot. Yeah. And I... I'll just... I, I'm too afraid to watch season three. I won't. Because Twin Peaks is like so indelibly baked into my yeah. identity Yeah. that I'm afraid to watch a new version of it. I feel like the it's, people who grew up with Star Wars and then the prequels came out 30 years later and you're yeah. like, I don't know that I can like welcome this in right now. It, it is very much a product of the modern time. It's very much not original Twin Peaks. It's very much, yes, it's been 25 years. It, it, and it's, for all of that, I will say, like it's not the same show, but at the same time, it's the same show. But, I mean, it has to not be the same show because Twin Peaks was a satire of, at its lightest, and its harshest, a criticism of soap operas and detective shows. I mean, like, yeah, it completely abandons that. It, it is 100% like the uh, the latter half of season two Twin Peaks. Oh, so pure dreamland. <laughs> There is a logic operating in the universe that no one explains, but you understand. Yeah. And it is... There There are parts that warm your heart because they are so wholesome that it kind of makes you tear up a little bit. And there are parts that are so dark and cold and empty, you will think that there is no hope for love or happiness or hope in the universe. And the majority of the season is right in the middle of that. Great. <laughs> I, I, I watched... So it's 18 episodes, and each episode is, is 58 minutes. Mm-hmm. I watched 15 episodes in one day. And How? F- 
How did you live? Uh, my wife was out of town. I had oh, a, that's me this weekend, bro. I had an H-E-B. Hey. I had an H-E-B, H-E-B take and bake pizza. So, like, nourishment was checked. Uh, no interruptions was checked. I love my wife, but, you know, she, I, there's no way I could have done that with her here. Yeah. That's not a comment on her personality. That is a comment on... I would not have done that to her. Yeah, no. Let, let's uh, let's broach at. My girlfriend will be out of town all weekend. Here's my plan. Uh, book one Alamo movie every day. Uh, watch at least two movies on my own every day. And eat yeah. Burger King at least six times. Uh, I'm going to float this here in front of our fam so that you can't back out. Hey, if you need somebody to go with you to a movie. To Burger King. To a movie. Okay. Let us see them. I wait, have so seen... wait, your season pass, is it... Because I know... So it does it... You can add another person to the season pass for $37? Or is that per ticket? No, no, no. So the season pass is $20. If you get a season uh, pass, you can get an extra seat yeah. on your season pass. Which means... It is you plus another person. Mine was 14. Oh, okay. Uh, So basically, me plus another person can go to any movie. I pay $34 a month. Okay, so that's the number in my head. So I can get two people tickets to any movie seven days in advance. So what I'm saying, Allison is out of town. (laughs) Yes. You have an extra seat. Let's go watch Hustlers. Oh, the... The Cardi B movie. Yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I, not pr- primarily, but she's in it. I uh, booked uh, one showing of Hustlers every day for three days. <laughs> you said you were going to see a movie. You didn't say it was going to be yeah, a different movie. I didn't say movie. a different movie. I didn't say anything other than Hustlers. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, maybe. Maybe I'll be very sad. But I... It's, hey, just if you want some... If you want company for one of your movies... Send a message. For sure. But yeah. also, we're, we're going to dinner with a friend on uh, Saturday. You're right. Fuck. Saturday. Shit. Hold on. Yeah, I should be good. Hold on. Yep. I should be good. Anyway, enough personal talk. Enough personal Twin talk. Twin Peaks Season 3. Give it a watch. I will give it a watch. Give it a watch. Have we destroyed the entirety of this episode's runtime by talking about Joker? Probably. What are we at? I don't remember... I did not look at the screen when we started. Fair. And that is... It's, it's been a really long time since <laughs> I've done that. Uh, so I think maybe, given the time that my watch is saying... What time is it? It might be... Uh, yeah. Hold on, wait. My watch is just spinning yeah. and has been for as long as I can remember. It's like when you're in Deadly Premonition and you, the go, clocks, man. you go into yeah. the other world and then like you... So there's a suitcase that you can check for your suits, and like it, it it'll say like, "Oh, your suit's dirty." So then you change it to a new sh- a new suit, and you're like, "Oh, I want this suit cleaned." And so you say, "Oh yeah, it'll take fourteen dollars, maybe four dollars to get your suit cleaned," and it says it'll be ready in, and then the number just spins. Yeah, blank, you know, spinning number hours. I'm like, "Oh wow!" All the clocks do that too. Yeah, I well, yeah. Also, when you sleep, it does that. Oh, I think you can only sleep in the weird world in the hospital. I don't know. No, no, uh, no, no, no. There are other places where you can okay. sleep in the weird world. So uh, I think I maybe made this joke before, but you know what uh, the switch port of Deadly Premonition and the internet circa 2015 have in common? What? Hilarious vines. <laughs> no, you haven't made that. <laughs> That's a good joke. And 
If you don't get the joke, I'm sorry. Vine was a service for videos, and they were funny. And also in the Switchboard of Deadly Premonition, they go, and it's like, when you get to the later part of the game, where it's like, we want to emphasize how many vines are popping up. It's very, it's very dumb. Oh, man, the ending of, of Deadly Premonition. We can never talk about it. We can it. never talk about it. I want to say, like, I browsed, like, Deadly Premonition, like, forums and stuff while I was playing the game. And you talked about, years ago, uh, Warframe. Like, there's this, like, agreed you just don't talk about a certain thing. Yeah. Deadly the Premonition. second dream, baby. Deadly, oh, the second dream? The second dream is the thing in Warframe you don't talk about. Deadly Premonition, the final chapter, or like the final like two things, uh, no one talks about. Yep. No one ever, like it happened and I was like, nothing prepared me for this. The, uh, the... Nothing! Yeah, and we can't spoil it because to do so would break the code. Nothing! But in the early days of Deadly Premonition coming out in like 2015, people would be like, this game sucks. Every one of us who had played it and beat it would be like... Just keep playing, dude. I know the game seems like it sucks, but there's so much more going on oh, than you man. think there is. It got to the point where it was like video game things were happening because, of course, they were happening because it was a video game. And I was like, I don't even care. Yeah. I just get me, get me to the end. I need to know what happens next. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh. You should play The Missing. That's one of his other games. Swery's other game. Where do I play it? Steam. <laughs> Alright, so, final thoughts on the Joker. Yes, after we haven't talked about it for 40 minutes. Now, this whole this whole episode... This whole episode is... Hold on, wait. I'm getting something. Uh, this episode is sponsored to you by the Joker... Uh, he seems to have sent us a message. It was attached to a pair of those chattering teeth with feet. Uh, hold on. It says, hello, fats. Well, that's rude. That's it's like he it actually looks like a letter he wrote to Batman, but he just crossed out bats and put fats. Yeah, wow. So it's doubly insulting. Yeah, so he didn't put effort into it, but he did put effort into it to call us fat. Wow. That sucks. Uh, hello, fats. Uh, you'll never guess where I've hidden the commissioner... Hint, hint, it's the last place you'd ever look, in parentheses, inside your own home, close parentheses, signed the Joker, heart, postscript, this letter is to be sent to, clearly you wrote Batman, but he crossed it out and put fat men. Wow. I don't, look, I don't even think he hid the commissioner in our houses. No, I think he probably hit it in Batman's house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I guess uh, message out to Batman. Up, oh, can't say that for some reason. Wait, let me try again. Batman, we need... Yeah, that's weird. Huh. Guess, you know what they say. If you can't say it, it must not be important. Yeah. Let me just put yeah. this back on these chattering teeth and send them away. <laughs> what do they sound like? <laughs> No, I wasn't asking what the mask sounds like when he goes, a cha 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 cha. Oh, no, he goes, ah, smoking. Hold on. Shut up. Are there the Hold same, on, shut up. Are the same person? Let's are the make. Same person? Let's absolutely are the same make. Person? 
a movie called Mask that is set in 1981. It is a a gritty movie about mental health using the character of Jim Carrey's The Mask. Uh, So, John, I know you don't keep up with things that happened uh, ever. But uh, so Saturday Night Live aired uh, their David Harbour episode this past weekend, and they made a trailer called The Grouch. You know of it. It's really 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 good. good. I would recommend it to anyone. Oh, it's so good. I don't give a shit about SNL, but it's really good. SNL is a, uh, I will always respect it for what it is. Yeah. I also feel like maybe they missed the point of the movie, but hey. A vehicle for John Mulaney. Yes, a vehicle (laughs) for John, and now David Harbour, thankfully. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. It's pretty cool. Any David Harbour in a storm. And on that note, I think it's time for... Uh, I think we have a special guest to do our, our social media plugs. I think it's... Uh, I think it's the Joker. Oh, the Joker is here to do our yeah, social I, I media think plugs? the Joker is here to do our social media plugs. Uh, you know him. You love him. Fan of the show. Friend of the show. That's what we call him. Friend of the show... Frequent guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Joker. Hold on, he's gonna walk to the couch. Okay, he's sitting down now. He's addressing the microphone. You can you can start talking when it, when it, whenever you're ready, Joker. It's okay. Oh, hello, it's me, the Joker. Oh, I thought this was an interview. I'm just supposed to do the social media plugs. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. J. Can I call you that? Can I call you Mr. J? Please call me Mr. J. Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Uh, All right, Mr. J. Yeah, we, we thought it would be a fun, neat thing for our fans since you sponsored this episode. If you just kind of like invited them to engage with us, uh, the, you know, the everything is laid out in front of you on that note card. Oh, yeah, okay. So there's like show notes. That's good. Uh, do you mind if I put my own personal spin on it? Oh, absolutely. I yes. am the Joker. Yeah, I mean, look, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, uh, we, we wouldn't do anything. So it, it says here first, I'm going to put my own spin on it. Is that okay? If you want to. No, we wouldn't. Get in touch with us. You can do so at uh, ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Yang Gang. Joker's really into the Yang Gang now. Freedom dividends. Universal basic income. That's the real comedy. The Joker. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. You can send us a thousand dollars a month, Mr. Andrew Yang. Universal basic income. That's the Joker's trick. We are also on Spotify. Search for zero credit open parenthesis S on Spotify. You know what'll help you pay for open parentheses S close parentheses on Spotify. You know what'll help you pay for Spotify Premium? A $1,000 per month freedom dividend. <laughs> Thanks to Mr. Andrew Yang. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Zero Credits Podcast. We are not doing Facebook. No, fuck Facebook for, uh, I don't know if you know this, Mark Zuckerberg has been having private meetings with, like, Bill Barr, not as I don't know if that's his name, uh, but like uh, conservative like higher ups to like downplay the fact that Facebook sucks. Oh, that so sucks. just fuck sake book. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right, Henry. 
Fuck sex book. And that's Joker's new social media platform. Go to www. Just do W's. Go to www.fucksexbook.dad. Create a profile. I'm a big fan of social media. As is tech entrepreneur Andrew Yang. Who will pay us all $1,000 a month in the form of a freedom dividend. We're also on Apple Podcasts. You Search for Zero Credits Podcast. Hold on, wait, I was reading the other one. We're on Apple Podcasts under Zero Credits. Like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> and uh, that's a very good way to let people know about the podcast but the most important way to let people know about the podcast is word of the mouth is the only way we can survive so tell your friend tell your gang that they should vote for andrew yang for president 2020 yang gravel 2020 no wars only ubi it's me the joker Anyway, goodbye. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's send off oh. the Joker. This, these are claps. We're clapping for the Joker. Um, uh, just a comment between you and me, John. Seemed like he had a weird Joker's trick to play on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. I couldn't really get what he was getting at. I go, look. It seemed like there was a theme. I don't know what it was. Because I decided he was operating on a level of humor and comedy. Wait, hold on, the Joker's coming back was... in. The Joker's coming back in. Oh, by the way, Henry. Oh, yes? Maybe I shot your wife. You'll have to end the episode to find out. Bye, I'm the Joker. Well, that's not funny. Hold on, wait, he's coming back in. Vote Andrew Yang, 2020. UBI. Maybe I shot your wife. Well, that's that's not that's not great. Yeah, that's, that's not, not a great thing to. That's maybe? not like a good trick that's either. Good, <laughs> I never even heard a gunshot. Yeah, it's the <laughs> trick that he didn't shoot my. We invited him into my apartment. Yeah, he couldn't have. He couldn't have. Yeah, maybe, a, maybe he did. What a weak trick! What a weak Joker's trick! Yeah, well. I really want to. I want a freedom dividend now. If only I knew how to get one. I, I, I don't understand anything about that. I don't know. See. I'm kind of apolitical. I don't. I don't buy into any of the nonsense that's going on today. I just wish people weren't so rude. <laughs> I know, like you invited me, yeah, onto your show, yeah. To you make played fun my of, tape to make fun of you me. You played my tape. You, you invited me on the show to make fun of me. Look, from here, from everyone here, including I guess. From everyone, look, from every, look, from every, look, 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 look. From everyone here at the Zero Credits, one, two, three, buckle my knees, studio, we want to wish you a very, we want to, we want to, we want to, we want to wish, wish, you. A very happy. Thank you, thank you,
The incantation is complete, and the mouthpieces fall silent and lifeless on the recording studio sofa once again, their eyes dark and mouths oozing inky black ichor. What fools! In the far corner of the studio, where the one floor lamp's light fails to reach, a bony arm reaches out and clings to the side of the guest room bed. Crawling out from whatever dark corner of existence, enters Bone Man Jones once again, ushering in another layer of what we can only call Frightened Times. It is good to be back. You may have deduced, if you are so able, that I am Bone Man Jones. But just who is Bone Man Jones? And why am I here? I am so very happy, you asked. Dotted all over this waking world are people in gray suits. They go about their lives working in financial institutions for 11 months out of the year, as do their peers and co-workers. They live in every major city in every country around the world, and are raised by people very much like them, also clad in gray suits. I wonder if you know. A computer screen, much like the one you may be looking at right now, can display 256 different shades of grey, each one a unique combination of red, blue, and green. This is due to certain limitations of a computer screen. Real life is a little different. There is an unenumerable amount of grey, which is to say, the number of these people in grey suits is also unknowable. It would make your mind real. I wonder if you know. According to your calendar, the current month is 31 days long. This is due to certain limitations of human perspective. In truth, the current month is a misnomer. For it has always been frightened times. Or what you might call October. On each day of October, another shade of grey suit is disposed of in a hamper, freeing the shadow as part of the ancient arrangement made eons ago. On each night of October, Another one of our eyes is unleashed, so that we may see what your lot has made of our world. Each revolution of the planet, we give birth to more and more gray suits, further expanding our sight. Why tell you this? It goes beyond there being no hope to stop us. It goes beyond your pathetic minds being unable to fathom just what is happening. You see, this is the year. There are finally enough 
gray suits. This is the year it all connects to the grand design started eons and eons ago. We come together, arm in arm, to connect the eyes with no alarm. Unblinking, unthinking, living your lives until we unleash the frightened times. <laughs> <laughs>